A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to Mind Your Loaf, a podcast about taking action on our mental health. I'm here with my co-host, Mark. Hi, everybody. Brilliant. And a team at Irish Mental Health Charity, TurnToMe.ie, who besides helping us with this podcast, provide professional mental health support online, free to everyone in Ireland. Hello and welcome to another episode of Mind Your Loaf with me and Mark Cusack. Are you there, Mara? Yes. I am. Hi, how are you? Yes, Mara is, uh, we are in heavy Zoom lockdown situation right now. We're in level five and Mara is taking lockdown very seriously because she's in her wardrobe doing this. Well, you just can't take any risks, can you? No, I think that's uh, isolating all the way into your house and all the way into your wardrobe uh. is, is the safest way of doing this and you know and look mainly why she's in a wardrobe is because the sound is going to be better isn't that why well yeah. we hope so yes yeah, yeah. So. so this this week we're going to be talking to a guy called mark smith and he's a senior clinical psychologist who works with uh, like child and adolescents yeah, the youth as they say and we're going to be asking him how the youth are dealing with covid and how it's affecting their mental health so, so that's the that's the kind of, and I think that's a, it's a good issue, you know, because you know lots of us have kids and we we don't know what to say to them. He's going to help us out of what to say, uh, and I know it's amazing, isn't it? Even in modern times, uh, we we think we know how to talk to children, but the, the the it's it's still the same type of trend, isn't it? From years ago, you still don't really know what to say to a, to a teenager about situations like this. And in a way, I think even as adults, some of us are feeling like children because we don't know either. I think as parents or as adults, the kids want us to, they kind of see us as the person who knows everything, but nobody knows anything. Yeah, because even the experts aren't fully sure. So then the, then that drips down to us and then we have to drip it down to the kids. And then, and then depending on the age of the child, should you tell them this? Should you tell them that? Oh my God, is it going to scare them? Should I hide it from them? I was trying to imagine, like, when I was a child or when I was a teenager, would I have been picking up on the, on the seriousness of this? Like, you know, going back, you know, 10 yeah. years. <laughs> Five years ago, when we were both in secondary school. But you know what I mean? Because I do think that at the moment, 
I, I think young people are feeling quite judged. And I, I have to hold my hand up and say there are times when I'm out and about and I'm looking at, you know, teenagers in their packs, you know, huddled together, not wearing masks. And I'm like, oh, for God's sake, in my head, I'm doing yeah. this. And then I'm like, God, you know, I was a teenager once. How would I have been? De- how would you have been dealing with this, Jason, in the 80s? I'm very near, uh, I'm very near Balbriggan here. And I went down to Balbriggan uh, to look at the streets and I seen... To about- look at the streets? I was, I was on the I was on the street. Yeah, I didn't go to look. I wasn't observing the streets of Balbriggan like it's some sort of ghetto in New Jesus, York. You are bored. Yeah, come on, let's observe the streets of Balbriggan. No, that's where my shops are. So I went over there, and there was about 10, 10 teenagers on mountain bikes, and they're in this kind of clump, and they were going around like along the road and up on the path. But they were all no masks, no nothing, and they were like shouting and caught, like and. You know, people were looking at them going, oh, my God, what are they doing? They should have more respect, you know, because of COVID and all. But in the 80s, that's exactly what I would have done. Because in the 80s, as a teenager, uh, and I'm sure now, your natural instinct with all your mates is to basically see how you can break the rules. Yeah. That's that's the deal. I know people were going to go, that's very irresponsible of you to say that, Jason. But that's what you do as a teenager. That's how you discover yourself. That's how, you, you know, it's all, and there's all peer pressure and all sorts of stuff. Like, yeah, like I, I'd imagine in the 80s, we, we would have met in our local field, which was in the, in the housing estates, about oh, probably 15 or 20 of us. And we would have been working out what kind of fun can we have uh, tomorrow that's not actually really allowed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. You know, and the more prohibited it was, the, the better. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have wanted to harm or hurt anybody but we would have been, uh, and I, I, okay, so we're not, re- we are definitely not, they are a bit naive to how dangerous it can be because they're, you're not, you're, oh, okay, I always say that like, when you see somebody driving a car and they drive it really erratically on the road in front of you and they already speed around a corner, they do something nuts, they've most likely never been in a crash or seen a horrific crash. So they just, they drive like that's never happened. But if you see someone like sometimes who has been in a crash or has seen a disaster, they'll be way more cautious how they drive. So with COVID, you know, um, a lot of these kids, you know, you know, maybe, you know, if you brought them into a ward, of course, they can't do that. But if you show them actually what COVID can do in front of their eyes, maybe they would uh, calm down. Because I know we would have. If we were brought in in the 80s into a hospital ward and go, look, this is what COVID does. You can't spread it. We were like, oh, shit. OK, actually, that's pretty bad. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, you know, kids and they, that's t- kids and teenagers need to have need to be kids and teenagers. You know, we can't. They can't just not be how they are. And so kids are going to be playing. Like, can you imagine, say, going back to mm. the 70s, Jason? Like, you know, as a kid, can you imagine your man telling you, you can't go out and play with, with the lads. You can't go out and play with the kids. You, you, you're not going to school. That would have been. I think I would have loved that. But can you imagine like all of the things that you just take for granted? You can't go out to the field. Well, in the 80s, especially, we would have been socialising outside the house. That's all we did every day. So imagine that being taken away. And I think we have to, as adults, we need to kind of tune in on like how difficult it is for kids who are being asked to kind of curb their enthusiasm. You know, they're not allowed. Well, I know they are allowed outside now, but it's, it's everything's so kind of restricted, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, thank God they have school because I know my 13-year-old is like, I think they're finding comfort within each other in school. So they're kind, so they're obviously allowed to socialise in school. So that's they're getting that at least. But once they come out of school, they can't see their, 
you know, their their relatives, like their nanas, let's say, or their grannies or close close relatives. They can't get to them, and that's pretty hard. And yeah, they're not allowed. Really, they're not allowed to hang out re- out with each other outside outside the school, which is which is what teenagers do, isn't it? You know. So and and even twenty odd year olds. It's not even just teenagers. It's all all groups. And then there's even. I mean, you can even shoot right back down to six and seven year olds who love playing in playgrounds. And it's like, well, definitely ask Mark this. Like, how, what do you say to them? Because they're in they're in basically in magic land in their head. Yeah, like I was just but, thinking like back to when I was a kid, right in the eighties, and I grew up in the countryside. And I just just before we came on air, and I was just thinking like I remember some of our games were this, right? Reenacting, like the, um, not reenacting, like waiting for apparitions from Our Lady. We'd all go down the fields and be <laughs> You know, this type of thing, or digging for gold, or I wonder, yeah. are kids, like, are they acting out COVID? Has COVID become the body? Or I wonder. Well, I, my, uh, well, my partner, Tracy, obviously, uh, Roisin, uh, she, she says. Uh, what age is Roisin? She's five. And she goes, um, oh, I can't wait to do that when the virus goes. Really? And this is not her mother telling her, like, you know, about the virus. She's she's picking that up from the news, from uh, bits of school, bits of everything. But it's not, it's kind of, I kind of seen that and went, that's quite, that's really sad. That's her little magic head. Uh, and they'll, and they're also going to wash their hands all the time. You know what I mean? Oh, you better wash your hands because of the virus. And do you think do you get an impression that she knows what the virus is, or is it no. just this? It's just this bad thing, or this? It's yes. I mean, you can't tell her it's a good thing. You can't go that way. But you try not. Obviously, they're you know you try not to tell the child it's a bad thing. It's just something that we all have to live with right now. I suppose. I mean, in the eighties, uh, you know, the COVID wouldn't have lasted very long at all because our mothers would have given us all flat seven up instead. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you would have been in bed with COVID and your mother would have come in with warm, flat seven up and you'd be going, can you call an ambulance? And she'd go, no, no, the fizz has been taken out of the seven up. Yeah, I got all sorts of blood diseases and all sorts of eye, but flat seven up cured them all. Yeah. Right. Anyway, look, we better we better find out what's, uh, what Mark has to tell us. <laughs> Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So I, we used to say on the line or down the phone or down the line or on, you know, or in the other studio. But on the, in the other square section, it's a bit like uh, doing these Zoom calls is a bit like constantly being in the Brady Bunch. So it's like, <laughs> so um, uh, we've got Mark Smith with us. Hello, Mark. Hi, good morning, guys. Hi, Mark. Uh, How are you? Thanks for joining us. You're a senior clinical psychologist. Uh, you work with uh, children and adolescents, like basically youth youth worker, yeah? That, that's what you do. Yeah, I work for the Child and Adolescent Mental Health Services for, oh, I think we stopped counting after 10, but roughly about 17 years. Okay, and it's uh, is it CAMS that you work? What is that? What is CAMS? Yeah, ch- Child and Adolescent Mental Health Services. So they, it's a service from the HSC that provides uh, mental health support to young people up to the age of 18 with moderate to severe mental health difficulties. Okay, so you work everywhere, like you work in schools and colleges and... Well, predominantly it's clinic-based, so young people would, would come to us, young people and their families would come to us and we provide support from a team basis with, oh. from the clinic. Okay, and so the, the main thing that me and Mara wanted to talk to you today about, which, which is the, the whole COVID situation, I mean, what we want to basically talk about is what kind uh, or how COVID is affecting the mental health of, of the children right now. So, um, so basically, I mean, like, so with it, I mean, I'm assuming that their anxiety now is, 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 is it up or down or, I mean, what, what kind of, what are you experiencing right now with them, with the youth? Uh, it, it's gone through different phases. So in the beginning, when lockdown first happened for a lot of young people who already struggled with anxiety, it was actually a piece of cake for them. Um, they knew exactly. It was like, welcome to my world. Um, ah. I've, been str- I've been struggling with this for years. Now the rest of you know what that feels like. Um, so that they were well practiced. Um, they knew everything about kind of feelings of dread. What if this happens? What if that happens? This was completely new to them. Um, uh, young people who would have struggled with depression and anxiety are very well used to self-isolating. Um, they're well practiced at it, unfortunately. Um, so when, when this came around, it was very easy for them to slip back into that mode again. And and they found most of the initial lockdown actually relatively straightforward. What they really struggled with was when we came out of it. And when there was an expectation of now I need to go back out and mix with people. I need to go back to school because they had, you know, accepted and endorsed isolation from the rest of the world for a long period of time. And now it's let's go back into it. And it wasn't go back with a graduate exposure. It's September's here. This is not a negotiation. Let's go back into school, mix with people that I've been out of practice with, that I'm going to be worried about. And like when you struggle with anxiety, there's loads and loads of different types of it. And for some, say, who would have struggled with 
um, fear of contamination, fear of germs, fear of mass illnesses. Yeah. This was also, certainly I got from a lot of young people, told you so, you wouldn't <laughs> listen to me. I told you this was coming and now it's here. But for young people maybe who struggle with social anxiety, they worry about what do people think of me? Am I good enough? Am I funny enough, tall enough, skinny enough, strong enough? But on top of that, now we've also got the the, the fear of, is this person going to give me uh, you know, a very serious illness? So it's adding extra layers of anxiety on top of what's already been there. So but, uh, and the way you say that, though, that you're saying that the uh, kids that have the high, they were they were ready for this. You're kind of it sounds to me like you're talking about it's the like the majority of children have this anxiety in the way you're saying it. But for me, I wouldn't have thought I wouldn't have thought so like so many of them would have had this anxiety. You see, you see, when when we talk about anxiety and things like this in podcasts or in the media, anxiety is what we all feel. It's an emotion like happiness, sadness, anger. We all have it. Yeah, we need it. We need it. It protects us. It keeps us safe. It's that you're walking down the street and you see someone coming close without a mask. You step back because that's what you should do. That's your it's your inbuilt threat radar and your response system when we perceive threat, be that whether it's social or COVID or whatever it's going to be. You know, a guy walking down the street behind you and you hear a noise and you turn around and he's got a hoodie and a gun and asks for your phone. Your anxiety kicks in, your heart pounds, you sweat, your muscles tense up and you get the hell out of there. Yeah. So it, it keeps us safe. And so anxiety right. can be fun. If we go on roller coaster in Taylor Park, it's the exact same physical sensation in our body. Our heart are pounding, but we, we interpret it differently. So a certain amount of anxiety can be fun, it's enjoyable, and a certain amount can feel very overwhelming if it's nonstop. You do the roller coaster, you do Halloween, it has a clear beginning and an end. Right now, we've got a global pandemic that has been you know, happening for the guts of a year and we don't know when it's going to end. So it's exhausting to be on alert all the time. So anxiety gets you ready to risk to a threat. Yeah. But right now, everybody's the threat every yeah. single person around you and it, it doesn't have a beginning and end if we get anxious about performance anxiety about giving a speech we know that it's a uh, five minutes ten minutes and then technically it's over an there's the, re- the, the relief comes and we feel yeah. oh thank god that's over so is there a way of telling the kids how to manage the anxiety is that possible or is that just not a, you, you just can't do that the, the most important thing with with anything around our emotions but particularly anxiety is validated so your 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 anxiety makes sense it's real and that's how you should be feeling so okay. we've a we've an unfortunate tendency in ireland to overuse the phrase it'll be grand oh yeah ah you be grand we're grand and we, and we think that that's the right thing to do it makes us feel good that we can try and help a person but we don't know what else to say we say it'll be grand it isn't grand nothing about this is grand and, and what happens is if, if you tell someone who's really really anxious it'll be grand internally their stomach is in knots. They think they're going to puke. Their mind is racing. Their heart is pounding. Nothing about that feels grand. Yeah. Then they turn on the news. They pick up their phone. They look at their social media timeline. And we have deaths. We have lockdowns, job losses. And go, yeah, no, none, none, none of that feels grand. So, you know, in, in, in a lot of ways, one thing that, that I would, especially with teenagers, talk to them about when they tell me this stuff, I go, yeah, Just shit. be honest. Yeah, and because that validates their emotion. They don't have to worry about, is, is this real? Should I feel like this? You know, and, and when you're being flooded with all sorts of different emotions, the last thing you need is to be doubting yourself and to wonder, is, is this real? Is this valid? And am I supposed to feel this way? So the first thing we say is, yeah, absolutely, you should. And that makes sense. But at the same time, we also have to instill hope that it doesn't mean it'll always be this way. And that, yeah, it's crap right now, but I feel like that too. So I would use an awful lot of, of self-disclosure with with anybody that I'm working with, where, you know, I would acknowledge with them, yeah, look, 
I'm exhausted and I'm anxious and I'm tired and I'm trying to help my kids and I'm trying to do my work. And, and we're all, you know, the, the, that phrase that we're all in this together does get overused, but I, I don't think it works because it doesn't acknowledge the emotional impact of how we're all in this together. So it's, yeah. it's a stock phrase that's used, but it doesn't emotionally resonate or connect with people because it's the emotions that people are feeling. So, you know, we are scared, we are tired, we're fed up, we need something to look forward to. Mm. We're tired of the cycles of going through it. And and just that that connection with people of, of feeling understood is one of the most powerful things. I've been running groups about a variety of different topics for years. And, and when you gather the feedback at the end, you know, and it's 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 quite difficult as psychologists to hear this because you've delivered all this content. And then you ask the people, what did you get out of that group that we've run for? It could be six weeks or sometimes one group run for six months. Yeah. And almost universally, what they'll say is the thing I got out of that was being in a room with other people who feel the same as me. So, the, so they got comfort. Yeah, you're like, you were grand. You were there kind of like as, a, as an added extra as a psychologist. But I was with people who know what it feels like to feel like me inside. But they're obviously, they're obviously, but they're obviously coming from all different walks of life. So they're experienced different types of anxiety. But yeah, that's, I wonder if that's a very much an Irish thing or is that just a worldwide thing? Because uh, we do, lo- uh, let's say if I break my arm and I'm going around, I meet somebody else with a broken arm, I almost feel better. Because I'm going, oh, yeah, you notice I'd have a broken arm. Oh, I've got a broken arm. We're both the same. Yeah. That's, so that feeling is nice, that comfort feeling. That's, I take yeah, it, that feeling of being isolated or feeling isolated, doesn't it? Like when you, when you hear people or you're sharing your experience with somebody who's able to kind of say, I know how you feel. One of the things that I use when someone comes to see me, and irrespective of young person or adult, is I can see they're a little bit anxious, they're a little bit nervous. And one thing I'll say to them is that, look, this is very weird. You've walked in off the street to a complete another stranger and the expectation is you're just going to spill your guts and tell me all about your emotions that you've been really practiced in keeping internal for, for a long time and this is not going to happen automatically. And if if somebody does come in off the street and just says, now I'm going to tell you my entire life story and every feeling in 10 minutes, that's a little weird. So right. it, it's important in building trust. It's important that we don't overexpose people to too many emotions too quickly and leave them overwhelmed. So you're trying to use a, a graduated approach that that we can slowly let those emotions out and it doesn't leave the person overwhelmed or kind of more traumatized than they've come into you but it's also not just to look at that anxiety there's there's other things that go on so we've got loss we have the the, the transitions that people would have had like confirmations and graduations and j1s and all those things and for adults kind of thinking look there's a bigger picture here but but these are important yeah, yeah. You know, they, they're really rites of passages aren't they for and, and it, to me, it's not just about rites of passages. It's about what's the one thing that draws them all together. It's being yeah. with other people. They're all social yeah. events where people come together and they celebrate and they have good fun together and they 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 have a sense of kind of fulfillment, a connection. And, and that's where I've always struggled. And I've said this before about the, the WHO guidelines about social distancing. To me, it sent completely the wrong message. This is about coming together more often than we could. It should have been physical distancing. You know, keep safely physically apart. Right. Yeah. But we need social connection and. You know, we've seen that through through Zoom and through all of the different things that are there. And, and it's it's been our lifeline. And, you know, we have I've been fighting for years with the narrative that, you know, screens and social media are bad and they will destroy your mental health. And then this year we have the WHO saying, you know, connect with people, use platforms, use gaming, connect yeah. with your technology with others. But like everything, it's it's we do get tired of it if we overuse it. And, you know, after a couple of months, people are talking about Zoom fatigue. And, and, and we and we. And we're, and we're watching, we were just saying, we're watching kids out there out in the streets and all. And they're, you know, 
after school. They are like, I mean, they could be like early 20s, late teens. They're gathering in groups. And, you know, should we be judging them when we walk by? You know what I mean? We kind of, every, all the adults are kind of walking by going, look at them, oh, look at them all in a big group there. They don't seem to give a shit. But it's, is it is it that, you know, they're teenagers and they, they kind of have to do that? Or have they got no respect? Or are they just being teenagers? Like, like what what should we be thinking there when we see them? I, I think the, the the very last thing we do is scapegoat them. Um, and and you you hear that in, on various kind of stations yeah, and in, yeah, in the yeah, papers yeah. and stuff that you know you, you literally tar them all with the same brush and I'd invite any adult mm-hmm. to look back on their teenage years and tell me that they didn't break a rule they didn't do something a little <laughs> bit dodgy or that you know over the course of the last six months that of any of the COVID rules they were there that they didn't occasionally tweak it or bend it a little bit but yeah. you know the, the last thing that we're going to expect is I want you to follow the rules but I'm going to you know, disparage you all and call you all super spreaders who don't really give a shit about anybody else and don't care about anybody else. And they do. But yeah. you're never going to get them on board if you just cast them aside. Yeah. You know, I've, I've young people who are absolutely petrified of having a sick parent at home, an elderly grandparent or, you know, a vulnerable brother or sister about bringing it home. And, and they do worry. They do care. But are they, they also talking need... to each other about that worry, Mark? In your um, To each other? I, I, I don't know. Um, to me, to me, certainly, yes, they are. Um, and but they also worry about fitting in. So, yes, irrespective of COVID, the primary challenge for all young people is to fit in and be accepted. And and they don't want to deviate too far from the norm in case it results in them not being accepted. So, they don't know what's okay. Is it okay to acknowledge anxiety of, you know, I've been in lockdown for three or four months, and my friends are asking me out. But I'm worried if I come home and I give it to my granny that I live with that she'd die. Yeah. Would that be my fault? Yeah. That's a gen- that's genuine fear. But they fear two things. It's a rock and a hard place. Yeah. I need to fit in with my friends and I also need to keep my granny safe. How do I choose? Because yeah, if you don't go and hang, if, if your friends ring and go, come on down here and hang out and you say no, they're going to go, oh, you're such a, why don't you? You're such a fool. And then they feel, oh my God, I'm going to lose all my friends if I don't go. And then, I don't know, yeah, and then they do go down there and they go, oh my God, be poor old granny, you know? I don't know what I'm going to say. And as well, I've noticed they'll use uh, they'll use humour quite a lot among each other to to spread, to tell each other about the info. Do you know what I mean? Like, they, they, they it's, it's because as I said, I was a boy teenager anyway, and that's, in the 80s, that's what we would have used if COVID was around. Do you know what I mean? We would be meeting each other going, how are you doing? Have you got COVID? Yeah, I've got COVID. High five. Give us a hug. You know, we... we- People do what they do to get by to cope. Look, dark humor has its place, and, and in a way, and, they're talking; they're bringing it into their conversation. So it has been talked about, even kind of abstractly, through the slagging. It depends on the lens that you look at it through. Yeah, yeah, and and it, and it depends on where you're looking at it. And you know, I I love Twitter, but God, at times it can be a cesspool where people just oh, set up to be the opposite of against each other. And yeah. you know, if they see that sense of humor and they don't see the context of this is just people finding a way to talk about it and to cope about it. Yeah, they only come down to one conclusion that, you know, young people are all bad. So it's like, well, if that's what you think of me, well, why am I going to follow the rules? Mm-hmm. So it's about trying to acknowledge the difficulty and bring them with us. You know, forcing a teenager to do something, they'll if, if they see a wall, generally they'll run at it. So it's like, look, I, I'm going to walk along with you and, and we'll do this together and I'll acknowledge my difficulties, my anxieties. They might be exactly like yours, but they have something in common. And, how do you know, we help young people to acknowledge how they're feeling? Because I do think that is a, a, from my own experience of being um, a human, I think, but never mind an adolescent, like in, in a war, in a wardrobe, in a, in a wardrobe. Um, there's sometimes just this surge of, you know, it could be, oh, you know, you're just angry or you're hyper or whatever, and then underneath that behaviour, there is 
you know, if you have to break it down, if somebody was to actually stay with you long enough to ask you, how are you? There could be, I'm scared. It could be, I'm hurt. It could be, I'm desperately lonely. But I, I'm not sure if as, as an adolescent, I would have been able to, to go down there. Do you know, that would have been too scary. I'm in my behavior, in my anger, I feel more powerful as such. I'm protecting myself. How can we help people? And, and we're talking about young people and teenagers. So mm. how can we help them to, because it is a real good life skill, isn't it? To kind of, as you said, to um, validate the emotions. But first of all, we need to acknowledge them. Are there, is there a process by which we can say to somebody, you know, take a sec, I don't know, like, like how, how yeah, do you there's, it, I suppose? So there, there's a load of different approaches and, and the most important thing is not to just go with one. And if one yeah. doesn't work, see what else is there. Yeah. So for some, it's acknowledging it, you know, to say, look, you look like you're really struggling. Um, I'm down in the kitchen if you want to come chat to me anytime. So okay. as adults, sometimes we will try and force the issue. And we go after them. Tell me what's wrong. Tell me what's wrong. You know, what, what are you feeling? What's about this about? And sometimes you will get the, you'll find it pretty quickly. They're angry because you're not listening to them. I don't want to talk right now. I need space. Get away from me. Okay. And then you discover pretty quickly it's anger. Um, but it's it's an acknowledgement of, I see you don't seem yourself. Um, do you, you know, do you want to, if you want to come down and chat, you come down and find me and no hassle at all. Or sometimes, and this is going to probably be ironic, I'm a psychologist, sometimes talking is not the right thing to do. Sometimes yeah. they just want yeah. us to be with them. Yeah, because yeah, as a parent, I mean, I've got 13 year olds, you know what I mean? And they look most on a 20 year old and two lads. And most of my experience was them not wanting to do big fucking sit down, big spiels. Do you know what I mean? They No, and, and, but it's, it's about it's, it's sometimes. So one of the things that, that we use, one of the techniques called cognitive behavior therapy, mm-hmm. and it looks at the, the thinking around something and looks at the behavior. And in my experience, certainly with anxiety, yeah, we can logically understand it, but it's the behavior where you get the improvement from. So never underestimate the power of someone looks like they're upset and, and they're sitting there watching Netflix or playing a computer game and just sit down beside them. You don't talk. Right. Just you just do it. Let's, you know, let's let's go for a walk. I'm there with you. And that's much more powerful than, you know, we'll get through this together because you're showing them that, you know, I will come with you and and the kind of the benefit you get from releasing emotions from got out for kicking a ball or out in the yard with your dad or listen to the music, going, you know, doing something with, with your mom, or just sitting there playing a game, showing an interest in what they do, not, well, you should be doing this. I think you should be doing it. So if they're sitting down playing a game of FIFA, sit down beside them. Have you got another controller? Can I be this team? Yeah. So again, like we were talking earlier on about meeting them at their level, and I'm not going to try and force you to do the things that I think you should be doing. I'm going to spend time with you where you're at, what you're enjoying. I'm going to show an interest in you because there's nothing more powerful than... I, I want to be with you. I'm interested in what you're interested in and let's spend that time together. I, I worked in a, in a care home for many years where the best sessions that I ever had was taking two bikes and going for a cycle out by the sea, kicking a ball around in the gym, playing a game of pool, playing a game of PlayStation where we actually didn't talk about any of the issues that everybody knew because I was there with them. Right. And I didn't, I, did, I expected nothing from them. Um, and when we don't have an expectation, they're more likely to come and engage with us because it's not being forced upon them so young people will come along with you if you kind of gently nudge but if it's a you need to sit down here and tell me about your feelings i think you're angry and you should talk about it it, it doesn't work they go the opposite yeah. direction so it needs to be a, a wondering a nudging a, a opening up a space where they can if they want to but not because they have to and, and i have this discussion with parents who who will kind of refer people to me privately of the first question i'll ask is do they want to come and say like, well no i think they need to yeah, look, that's absolutely you know valid that a parent will have those worries and concerns. But if the young person is not in that space yet, then we're going to be fighting a battle from the start. 
So the way I would set it up with them is that, look, do you know what? Come once. And if you absolutely and utterly hate it, it's the worst yeah. experience of your life. You never have to come again. But I'm going to give you that choice. So we're not signing up for 10 sessions with Mark, the psychologist to wreck your head. We're going to come, have a chat, get to know each other, nice and low key. And at the end, you go away. You think about it for two or three days. And if you think you want to go to this again, you give me a shout. Most come back. So, You're giving a sense of control and ownership. To yeah. So, so all we can do maybe as parents is just try our best. We don't have, we shouldn't give ourselves such a hard time. Do you know, Jason, that's a brilliant point. One of the greatest difficulties I've had with parents over the last few years is self-doubt. Yeah. Doubting themselves. Yeah. Because if you think about it, when when parents, when, when they have small children, babies poo, eat, sleep, cry, shout, disrupt your sleep, but they can't communicate with us directly in words. I'm hungry. I'm tired. I've got a, I've blocked up for my poo. As parents, instinctively, we kind of figure it out and we, we do our best to meet their needs, their primary needs without any communication. And we do it because, you know, we take care of our kids. We get them to 12. You know, we do our best. We, the odd bump and scrape. Um, but when they start to struggle with their emotions, suddenly parents' self-doubt comes way up and they think, hang on, I don't know what to do. And let's go ask the psychologist. And, and a lot of time people will come to me, parents especially, and I do a parent session. And at the end of it, I've told them what they already know. And they go, but we kind of knew that. I went, yeah, you did, but you just needed me to reaffirm that you were doing the right thing. So parents need to trust themselves that they're good enough, that they have the skills. Yeah, sometimes they might need a little bit of extra tweaking and support, but parents are good enough and they have the skills to support them. But parents, in my experience, don't do enough to take care of themselves. So I see a parent who's really, really, really struggling, where they're really overwhelmed, they're struggling with their anxiety, their stress, their emotions. They'll bring the young person to me and go, can you, can you help them? I went, I can, but I'd be far more successful if me and you could sit down and have a chat and I could try and support you. Try Because you've got to fix the parent before you can fix the child, really. Yeah, you, you've got to empower them. Force them. You, yeah. you, you've got you to bring them up and you've got to, you know, the, the thing that I, or the analogy I overuse is taking the flight, which we can't really do right now. But that, you know, when they do this pre-safety briefing, in the sudden event of a drop in cabin pressure, parents of small children, put your mask on first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's what we need to do with, you know, I am not that good, or and I would argue probably most psychologists aren't, that in an hour or 50 minutes once a week that we will have a transformative impact on somebody's life. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you support a parent who to manage and support a young person through when they're feeling anxious on a Sunday night at eight o'clock when they're due to go back to school or on a Friday night at eight o'clock when they haven't got the invite to go with the friends the next day in that moment that that one good adult that that relationship that they have there that's what supports the person through it yeah. and if i see a parent who's really struggling with that my instinct is i gotta help this parent because that's the best thing i can do for that young person is is to support them because they've got them this far i just need them to get them the next little bit yeah and as a parent as well i've noticed that with my because i've got as i said a 13 year old is that he likes to leave clues around the place to how he's feeling so i i could be in the car and the news with covid can come on and i have seen him switch it off and i'll turn around to him and go i will go oh does that upset you does covid upset you is that good and he just looks at me and he goes not now dad shut up will you so the clue he's 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 telling me without saying anything that he's just switching off the radio he doesn't want to hear about covid right now and he, and it's fine and then i've noticed as well that like when i'm asked him and this would be maybe on the way to gea training and i go so you're okay he goes yeah yeah i'm fine i'm fine but he'll when i collect him after the training with all his mates it's almost like that's been his therapy with his socializing with the mates messing laughing and it's exactly what you said earlier when everybody's in therapy or, or in that session together they all realize they're all in the same boat 
So he's up there and he's he goes out and he and they're all kicking the ball about, they're all trying, and then he's going, Oh, we're all okay, actually. Actually, we're all okay. And then he'll get back in the car and immediately I'll go, I'll even go, so how are you feeling now? And again, he'll put the radio back on, put music on. And the music means, will you shut up, Dad? I don't want to talk about it. So it's like all clues just left everywhere. But you're right, James, but it's also about the, there's, and I've done it with, with my nine-year-old driving to school where I have kind of news talk on and I'm listening to it and she'll switch over to spin. And, I, you know, what I said is, do you know what? You're right. Let's listen to some music. I've had enough of COVID. Because again, you're validating that you're seeing the behavior, but you're naming that you get it. I see what you're doing. And you know what? You're right. Let's have a yeah, bit of music. Yeah, for yeah, yeah. We all need a bit of distraction. So it, again, it shows them that I get you. I, I, I see what you're doing and mm-hmm. I agree with you. For any kind of difficulty or trauma that a young person might experience, the main reparative piece that we need to do is find a way to introduce some degree of normality. Because when a, when a big trauma happens, it shakes our confidence in the world. We feel that everything is unpredictable. Nothing ever stays the same. So what you try and do is find elements of the person's life that that gives them a sense of, okay, all this other stuff around me, it's all over the place. It's all gone to shit again. <laughs> but this stays the same. This this little piece of my life, this little routine feels the same. And that's reassuring. Yeah. It gives a sense okay. of control that, you know, at least this stays predictable because anxiety is about the unpredictable. I don't know what's coming next. I, you know, what's around the next corner, the fear. And we don't know with COVID because it keeps bloody changing. Yeah. Yeah. But if we know that these certain little things and, you know, kids, because they're young, they don't appreciate routine or they don't see the relevance of it because they're young and it's boring. But but it internally, it, it makes them feel safe. It's very regulating, it fe- isn't it? It's extremely yeah. regulating because it's predictable. I don't need to think about it. Yeah. Whereas at yeah. the moment, everybody's exhausted from thinking. Yeah. Constantly thinking, where is my mask? How, stand, how close do I stand? Did I wash my hand? Is this on? Is this off? We're literally, you know, brain fatigue. So yeah. if when, when we're in routine, the, the great thing about routine is we don't need to think about it. We just get up and do it. Yeah. And it gives us a respite from thinking, which is really nice. We need a break from thinking all the and time. And there's a sense of safety in it as well, isn't there? Like, it, as you said, it's predictable um, and it's happening. So it's like somebody's in control of this, as in the routine itself is in control. So I suppose that's the, the, one of the great things about the kids being at school. There is routine and that generally sets up a routine then for morning, for evening at home. So yeah. as, as adults with children, I, I, that's one thing we can actually actively do is yeah. commit to a routine, like set one up that works and commit to it you know, with flexibility or whatever. Yeah. So it's so it's, it's knowing, you know, and, and parents will often say to me about the managing behaviour, you know, how come in school they're grand? There's no issue whatsoever at home. They're demons. I said, look, think think about school. They know where they sit. They know what the rules are. The same thing happens every day. Now, that's not always possible in family life because maybe I'm just talking about my own here, but it can be chaotic. Yeah. You know, and and that's that's family life. That's normal. But but school works because it's it's predictable. How does one teacher manage 30 kids when sometimes two parents can't manage two? Because it's predictable and it's clear Mm. and it's visual. So school works really, really well because they see what the structures are, whereas homes can be can be can be a lot so so never underestimate i suppose the the value of the small things yeah and knowing absolutely. that that's there and the, the, you know the phrase that's been used quite a few times by, by some of my colleagues and myself is but you know we got to focus on on what we can control the controllables yes what we tend to do when we get anxious and what exacerbates our anxiety is focusing on all of these big things like when there will, when there will be a vaccine for adults when will the pubs open we have no idea no control don't put, date, don't put dates on things and nothing beyond what well what can i do what can i do today you know, yeah. who, who can I talk to? Um, I, I have a thing that, that each evening coming home from work, 
I've had a rule for the last couple of weeks as I scroll through my phone is who have I not talked to in a couple of weeks? And just people I found that I haven't spoke to in months. And I ring them and I go, hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. What do you want? I say, Am I okay? Everything, everything okay? Something wrong? And I go, <laughs> yeah, I've just decided to randomly pick someone I haven't talked to in ages. Yeah, and they go, nice. oh, that's but, kind well, of nice bit weird but okay and you know we get into it then and then yeah and, and my favorite thing about blokes is that you can ring your mate after two years and go so anyway i was just saying that thing <laughs> and they'll go oh yeah yeah so anyway you know so but the thing is as well is that uh, we, we as as parents and all and, and we get very very anxious and i suppose the one thing to do is you know yeah we want our kids to know stuff but the one thing we shouldn't let our kids see is us over anxious. So there is parents at home where the where the kid will actually go, Are you all right, Dad? Actually, no, I'm not okay. This COVID thing's everywhere. Oh Jesus Christ, be job. Oh my god. There's lots of so we shouldn't we shouldn't we should take the bullet as well for the kids. Well we well, we need to acknowledge it. We do need to acknowledge that we're anxious, but we also need to role model as best we can. Yeah. How how to emotionally regulate that anxiety. Yeah. So so we're, it's it's difficult because parents are anxious. Um, and, and you're trying to show that. So I, I did it with a talk that I was giving in my kid's school about for parents about anxiety. And my daughter was asking me, you know, how do you feel about it? I said, oh, well, I'm pretty anxious. Said, really? But, <laughs> yeah. I said, oh, so you're not going to go? Of course I'm going to go. Yeah. Um, but that is, so it's that show that we we can we can experience anxiety and it can be uncomfortable, but it doesn't have to stop us engaging in everyday life. Um, so so it's acknowledging it and doing. And, and okay. what, anxiety, what anxiety drives us to do is to avoid. So I'm feeling anxious, therefore I can't do it. I have to pull back from it to make my anxiety feel better. So it's about empowering children that, yes, I feel anxious too. And here's how I get through it anyway. Yeah, look, thanks a million for that. You know, I think what I got from that anyway is kind of like listen to our child, or listen to our children during this time, uh, whichever way they're going to say it to us. Uh, as parents, we don't have to give ourselves such a hard time, you know, just be there for them. And uh, yes, and anxiety is is a good thing as well as a bad thing. You know, it's also that, and and I'm speaking for my colleagues here. You know, being a psychologist doesn't protect you from self doubt. It doesn't protect you from. I do not have all the answers. Ask any of my three kids, and yeah. they will not think that I've all the answers. <laughs> no, it's one thing to give the advice; it's another thing to follow it. It's, follow it's hard. It. You know, parenting is a difficult thing to do at the best of times. And I've often said to parents that look, even if they gave you a textbook. The kids are going to go. I'm not following that. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of we we do the best we can, and the most important message that I I certainly try and give to parents is about good enough parenting. Yeah, good you're not expected you're not expected to be perfect. You can't be. Nobody is. Yeah. And if well, you're good enough, that's good enough for your kids. Well, Mark Mark Smith, senior clinical psychologist, or there's a lot of psychologists listening in now uh, who are going to rename their title as silly work, which is. <laughs> According to my two-year-old. <laughs> well, I like that. I like that when a psychologist goes, what do you do? It's, oh, well, kind of silly work. Oh, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, I get it. Right here. Like, brilliant. But look, thanks for joining us. Amazing advice during these hard times. So thanks a million. We'll see you soon, Mark. But no, he was, he's a very informative Mark Smith. And if anybody, you can, you can look him up, you can Google him. He's got like loads of um, YouTube chats and talks and all sorts of things. So you can can you can get way more advice from them, and I think I am absolutely delighted now to know that anxiety is a good thing. And if we don't listen, if we keep trying to ignore it, that's when it gets bigger and bigger. But if we sit down with it and just say, okay, you know, like petting the dog, just saying, 
um, hiya, I'm home. Blah, blah, blah. Immediately the dog is placated. And it's the same with yeah. our anxiety. Sit with it and say, okay, I'm obviously feeling something here. This is a bit hard. Sit with it, acknowledge it, as I said. And 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 even just give yourself a break saying, I know I'm feeling a bit shit, I'm feeling a bit scared, I'm feeling a bit whatever, and that's okay. And the one thing that seems to get people like like their raise their anxiety, especially mine, is trying to control situations you can't control. Yeah. That so what Mark was saying is finding things that we can control, like the routine. And I also think in relation to kids, even giving kids some of the decision making power in what will our routine be like. You know, that they pick their storybook for nighttime or they decide what night we have a movie or, you know, this kind of thing that yeah. there's a collaborative aspect to it as well. So, and that, and, and there's a wonderful fellow that Alan Watts did, who I often mention, he says uh, a lot of times it's easier just to join the dance instead of sitting out, sitting out, just get in and just join. And that's what's happening now with COVID right now. I know it's not much of a dance, but what he means is don't be trying to control it, just get in there and just, you know... Okay. Actually, you know what? Actually, on that lo- on that note, Jason, yeah. have you ever just just what I've been doing recently? Because you know we're on our own, blah blah. blah. I'm putting on music at night yeah. sometimes and just dancing around oh, on my own, brilliant. and it's brilliant. Yeah, you know, if all else fails, stick on some music and have a just shake it out. Do you know what? I uh, I remember ending my tour. I was on my own in the bedroom in Manchester, and I had just done fifty something dates. And it was my last day in Manchester. And uh, the tour manager, he had actually driven home because he lived near Manchester. So I got, I had the best time ever. I basically got into my bedroom and I downloaded the best of the 80s. And I had like a, I had like a two hour party on my own. Just dance, dance, dance. And dance around to me jocks was hilarious. Like. I'm very visual. I didn't need that. Okay. I just. Well, the jocks is all right. It's all right. Okay, well, that's another episode done. Yay! Have a good week. Thank you very much. Mind your loaf, mind yourselves. Okay, bye. Bye Bye-bye. Turn to Me provides professional mental health support. Ah, Jason, do your, uh, you know, your ad voice. Oh, yeah, I'll do the ad. Okay, I'll do a proper ad thing. Okay, ready? Yeah. As a registered charity, Turn To Me provides professional mental health support online for anyone in Ireland going through a tough time. From one-to-one counselling to group and peer support, Turn To Me is accessible from any device anywhere in Ireland. If you would like to support Turn To Me, you can donate €4 Euros by texting Turn To Me to 50300. Text costs €4. Euros. Turn To Me will receive a minimum of €3.60 Euros service provider-like charity. Helpline 077. Six six eight zero five two seven eight. Is that you? Yeah, that was actually me. There, okay. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, ninety-six percent replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a thirty-night guarantee. Plus, get fifteen percent off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. 
Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.